0: but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me but I will not be enslaved by anything. Food is meant for the stomach and the stomach for food and God will destroy both one and the other. The body is not meant for immorality, but for the Lord, and the Lord for the body. And God raised the Lord, and will also raise us up by His power. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? Shall I therefore take the members of Christ and make them members of a prostitute? Never! Do you not know that he who joins himself to a prostitute becomes one body with her? For as it is written, the two shall become one flesh. But he who is united to the Lord becomes one spirit with him. Shun immorality. Every other sin which a man commits is outside the body. But the immoral man sins against his own body. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, which you have from God? You are not your own. You were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which belong gone.
1: Glory 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 to to you, O Lord, glory glory to you. The Lord said this parable, there was a man who had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of the property that falls to me. And he divided his living between them. Not many days later, the young son gathered all he had and took his journey into a far country. And there he squandered his property in loose living. And when he had spent everything, a great famine arose in that country. And he began to be in want. So he went and joined himself to one of the citizens of that country who sent him into, the, into his fields to feed swine. And he would gladly have fed on the pots that the swine ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have bread enough and to spare? But I perish here with hunger. I will arise and go to my Father, and I will say to Him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before You. I am no longer worthy to be called Your Son. Treat me as one of Your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But while he was yet at a distance, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring quickly the best robe. And put it on him, and put a ring on his hand, and shoes on his feet, and bring the fatted calf, and kill it, and let us eat and make merry. For this my son was dead, and is alive again. He was lost and is found, and they began to make merry. Now his elder son was in the field, and as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. And he called one of the servants and asked what this meant. And he said to him, Your brother has come and your father has killed the fatted calf because he has received him safe and sound. But he was angry and refused to go in. His father came out and entreated him. But he answered him, His father... Lo, these many years I have served you, I have never disobeyed your command. Yet you never gave me a kid that I might make merry with my friends. But when this son of yours came, who has devoured your living with parlance, you killed for him the fatted calf. And he said to him, Son, you are always with me, and all that is mine is yours. It was fitting to make merry and be glad, for this your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found.
2: Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Christ is in our midst. There's a story of two fathers talking to each other. And one of the fathers has a wayward son. The boy is always getting into trouble, staying out late with questionable company, and basically giving the parents much grief. And so the one father asked the other, he said, How is, how is Bob doing? And the second father replies, Well, I'm afraid he's still behaving in a disrespectful, irresponsible fashion. The first father said, You know, if that was my son, I'd kick him out. And the second replied if it was your son I probably would kick him out. (laughs) But he's my son. All of us are sons of God. Son is a collective term that has men and women involved. We all belong to God and he loves each one of us dearly. In fact, one time Christ told a parable, a parable we heard today, to show that there are no bounds to God's love and forgiveness. The parable of the prodigal son is certainly one of the most popular with all Christians and somehow is a condensation of the gospel. The central figure is not the son at all, but rather the father. The one who waits by the door, scanning the horizon, looking for his son, and finally running out to greet him. One of the first things we notice about this parable is that the son gives his son, the, the, the father gives his son complete freedom. The boy feels trapped. He feels like he's a bird in a cage. He craves to go and spread his wings. Either he doesn't know about the hawks. Or he's so self-confident and so arrogant he feels that he'll be able to survive any attack they might make. And so he goes to his father and he demands his share of the inheritance. Not a very nice thing to do. Because there's a condition for getting your inheritance. Your benefactor has to die. And so by demanding his inheritance is sort of the the utmost contempt that he can show to his father. The father has a good idea of what will happen. But nonetheless, in his love, he lets the young boy go. Now, Adam and Eve were similar. God put them in a garden. In the liturgy of St. Basil the Great, and the prayers that often are done silently by the priest, is called the Garden of Delights. The boy is leaving the garden of delights, as Adam and Eve did. When Adam and Eve are in the garden, the Lord says, Don't eat the fruit of this tree. Everything else is yours. Enjoy it to the fullest. But don't eat the fruit of this tree. He doesn't say if you eat it, I'm going to kill you. He says it's poison. Don't touch it. Well, we know the story. Eve bites into the apple, takes whatever it was, and then shares it with her husband. They had free will. God gives us free will. Because without free will, we can't reach perfection. Without free will, we'd just be puppets acting in some bizarre play that the Lord has seen fit for his pleasure to have us act in. No, we have free will. That's very important. You know, in the abortion debate, that horrible wound that still consumes America, one side calls itself pro-choice. We believe in a person's ability to choose. Beloved, all Christians believe in pro-choice because we can do anything we want. We can lie, we can cheat, we can steal, we can, we can commit adultery, we can gossip, you name it. We can do it. Only two things. Only one path is right and leads to life. The other leads to death. And secondly, we are responsible before God for the choices we choose to make. Each person is made in the image and likeness of God. At baptism, we receive that special grace that fills us with God's own spirit and with all the gifts that we need. And yet from birth, we, we begin that horrible process of squandering the gifts God has given us. Sin increases and as it does, the gulf between us and God grows greater. It's as if we're going to a far country. Did you notice in today's Gospel, when the prodigal gets his inheritance, he goes to a far country. Maybe he only went next door. But the importance of this phrase, far country, signifies a state of rebellion from God. He distances himself from his father. And there it says he spends his life in riotous living. prodigality. He wastes the gifts that God has given him. You know, America, beloved America, America which was founded by Christians, not Orthodox Christians to be sure, but was founded by Christians is quickly distancing itself from God. You know, the Gospel is rejected, and man exalts his own logic. I know better. The church says this, but I know better. Therefore, America has become this wild place. A place that is truly far and distant from our Lord. And what a tragedy. What a tragedy. You know, we're either consciously ignoring Christ, or we fumble around in darkness because we don't know Him. The son gets wasted and squanders all his property from God. Well, you know, increasingly America's like that. Not only with abortion, which is a big issue, but also with this issue of gay rights. Not only does the country permit it, that's one thing, but it blesses it, it endorses it, it teaches it. fact that even our pressures now to charge people with hate crimes, who speak against it and who refuse to bless them. Those people like priests who are not politically correct. You know, we Christians not only approve of such things, we neglect the poor. I don't know if you've seen on television the past few nights. They've done these horrors things on the news showing the poor people who live in tents being shuttered from one place to another place is that the best we can do we engage in war where we're killing one another and at the end of the war we sort of shake hands and say now we're going to be friends it defies logic we're polluting our planet And yet, although we're told we continue to do so, the Christians try to speak up, and society yells us down and says, Be quiet, you're bigots. We don't want to hear what you have to say. We're doing our own thing. In the parable, reality dawns. And the boy discovers that there's a price to be paid for the choices we make how tragic it is. It says there's a famine. His money is wasted and used up. His so-called friends, boy, it's easy to have friends when you have a fistful of dollars. His friends disappear and the boy finds himself hungry. He finds himself alone. He finds himself destitute. He works in a pig sty. Now, those of us who have visited a farm, i like the parishioners who are farmers, know that there's nothing more disgusting in the farm than the pig sty. It smells bad. It's dreadful muck. Oh, my heavens. But worst of all, Christ is speaking to a Jewish population. For the Jew, there's nothing filthier than a pig. It just shows you how the boy has descended and been totally degraded, feeding pigs and wishing he could eat their food. You don't get much lower. He squandered his dignity. He squandered his youth. One of the realities is that sin ages us. Sin robs us of our innocence. And it makes us old people. Christ can revitalize us, though. That's the joy. The boy is nothing. If we wrote the story today, he probably would come home with horrible diseases. AIDS or something else equally bad. This is a true commentary on the human condition. It's your story. It's my story. It's the story of each person on earth. that all of us, at one time or another, have been in that far country. St. Augustine, a man we usually don't quote in the Orthodox Church, says, You have formed us for yourself, and our hearts remain restless until they find rest in thee we are made for God and we remain unfulfilled, dissatisfied and empty until we return to Him. Now the good news of the parable is this, it says the boy comes to his senses. When he comes to himself, he realizes the state. He says, boy, in my father's house, hired hands have a better life than I have. My father is a kind man, I'll go to him, I'll tell him I've sinned, that I repent, and that I I want to be hired as a servant. Well, the question is, why does God permit us to suffer? One of the reasons we suffer, and are permitted to suffer by God, is to remind us that this is not our home. We're only pilgrims walking on the face of this planet. That our true home is in the kingdom of God. Our true home is with God the Father. And the boy begins his long journey home. The father, as we know from the story, does something that no Mideastern father would ever do. In fact, something that very few fathers of any other culture would do. He sees his son in the distance and he goes running to meet him. When you're a father, when you own possessions, when you have status in society, you don't run. Especially after a reprobate. But this father runs. And that is to teach us something about the love that God the Father has. He embraces the boy. He orders his servants to prepare for the son's restoration, for his return. A party, the best, the, best, the best clothing is put on the boy, a ring on his finger to show that he's a son, and shoes on his feet, sandals on his feet, whatever. Well, some people ask, doesn't this easy forgiveness somehow cheapen God's mercy? Doesn't it cheapen his forgiveness? The reality is this, the boy is already punished. He suffers greatly and will always bear the scars, however now he luxuriates in the father's forgiveness and love. The boy tries to blurt out his apology, which he has memorized on the way home, but the father is not interested, says bring the best robe. The pride and willfulness of the son is gone. When he left, he left with the words, Gimme, gimme what's mine. When he returns, he says, accept me as a hireling." He's humble and he's repentant. We have a promise from God. And that promise is this. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they're red like crimson, they shall become as wool. Jesus Christ has come not to judge, but to save us. Not to condemn, but to call us home. That was the purpose of His mission on earth. To call us home. So He could embrace us. So we could share the Father's embrace. Each person sins. And beloved, there only are so many sins. And they're repeated generation after generation after generation. The only creativity we can have is in our virtues. That's where creativity lies. When sin is dull, it's the same, it's monotonous. One reason why we can never judge our neighbor. Because their sins are our sins. They're the sins of fallen humanity. And that's where we live. Many of our greatest saints were great sinners in their youth. However, through humility and repentance, they were able to connect with God's grace and be restored to the kingdom. The message of today's gospel is this. We are not throwaways. We live in a throwaway society. Presbytera and I live in a small apartment. And I think rather humbly we've tried to downsize. But you should see our garbage. Oh my heavens. We fill those containers week after week after week. Everything is thrown away. And you know sometimes we buy items and we have to throw those away. The worst thing about America is that we throw people away. Children on the street. People with no place to call home. People who can't do anything else but live on the streets because no one will accept them back. God is not like that. He wants us. We're very precious to Him. Lent is going to begin very soon. And the parable reminds us that sin separates us from God. That God did not create us to live in pigsties. And God loves us so eagerly and awaits for each of us to make that journey home so he can run and welcome us. Christ himself tells us that there's more joy in heaven over one who repents than those who need no repentance. As we journey through Great Lent, let us be mindful of the love of God the Father. And the urgency and the possibility of our own repentance. May we be buoyed up by that, may we be stimulated by that, may we act because of that. And in the, name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.